0: Within and get to know
1: working within it so that you can try to be able to produce things
0: yeah. and i'll tell you
1: why that production is so important but before we know that how do you use those two pieces of equipment and you-
0: success is not necessarily financial but success is when you feel fulfilled in what you're doing and then to other women they need to know their value their worth but but i believe um Everything that you put your mind to and you achieve, is success. Give um, all the stuff.
1: Okay, I'll answer all 16 of those questions right now. <laughs> I started uh, in the music business at Sony while I was still...
0: My name is Renee Hastings, and I'm your host of Renee Speaks. Y'all, I have so many exciting announcements to share with you today. As you know, we're continuing in October, which is my birthday month, and we are still celebrating Breast Cancer Awareness Month uh, by the American Cancer Society because early detection is key. So as part of our October celebrations, we have so many fun activities included uh, in our show today, so be on the lookout for a special code word that's going to pop up randomly throughout the broadcast, and DM me with that special code word and be entered to win a prize. Uh, in addition to that, we are also uh, have been sponsors of the Inspire You Award Ceremony, which took place last Saturday. Uh, an amazing organization uh, uh, that was doing a fundraiser to raise funds for teen moms uh, to have scholarships for college tuition and child care assistance. So it's not too late to uh, support this amazing organization. Please, please, please uh, support teen moms uh, who want to go to college or become entrepreneurs. It's a truly worthy cause. So, Um, Looking forward to today's show. Y'all, today's guest is absolutely, incredibly amazing. She comes to us all the way from Bristol, uh, England, uh, in the UK, and I'm super excited to share that she's an accomplished professional dedicated to helping organizations, teams, and leaders achieve superior results while retaining top talent. With a mission centered on instigating lasting change through absolute clarity and accountability at all organizational levels, Catherine excels in empowering businesses and individuals alike. She serves as a trusted partner to organizations seeking excellence in high pressure environments, teams looking to enhance productivity and accountability, managers focused on rebuilding trust and refining leadership skills and forward-thinking ceos and executives determined to optimize their teams amidst rapidly evolving landscapes y'all catherine's journey which commenced in 2016 initially centered on purpose identity and goal setting however her current focus lies in assisting leaders in discovering their strengths to thrive not only in the workplace, but also in their personal lives. Y'all, please join me in welcoming Catherine. Hey. Hello,
1: thanks for having me. <laughs> you. Yeah. I'm here. Good. Okay? Yeah, there was a little bit
0: of delay, but I'm here. I'm so excited. Good, good, good. I'm so excited to have you here with us today. Your skills and expertise are so needed in this workspace and in this entrepreneur, entrepreneurial space. Uh, so I'm super excited to chat with you today about what it truly means to have purposeful roles and deliver powerful results. That's that's what it's all about. As an entrepreneur, we're leading teams. We need to know who's supposed to be in what seat, for what purpose, so that we can have powerful results. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you. So, Catherine, let's go ahead and jump right in. Why don't you go ahead and tell us more about yourself and your journey and how you help organizations foster a culture of joy and ease while achieving their targets and goals.
1: Sure, Um, so I guess the beginning is that I, and this is something I used to really downplay by the way, but I have got a sociology degree and I used to think that that meant nothing and I just kind of picked something random that I thought would be interesting and then I got a bit excited about Brené Brown as probably did the rest of the world and she's always found about being a sociologist and I was like hang on so am I <laughs> um and I think whether I realized that at the time or not of choosing that degree I've always had an interest in how groups of people work and interact and like what is it that makes people do the things that they do and think the things that they think and um, so that was kind of it from a theory point of view. And then basically all the jobs I had straight out of university did I did because I had a certain passion for the industry or for the work that I was doing. Um, But I just had such weird experiences or managers that just did not understand me and they were trying to do the best they possibly could, but were either promoted far too quickly and just didn't know how to be a manager or Mm -hmm. had a certain idea of how people should do things and didn't understand that I might be a bit different to what they've experienced before and um, so I just kind of you know kept going because I needed to work and I tried to do things that excited me and kept burning out because of the environment I was in and after I'd had kids I um, you'll learn this the more you spend time with me is that basically my brain just doesn't stop and I'm excited about literally everything. So I'd announced to the world, I'm gonna be a stay-at-home mum, it's gonna be amazing. I'm really excited. And about eight months in of being a stay-at-home mum, I basically had about 10 business ideas and was like, so what, so what are we gonna do? <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah, and it was funny because my husband like amazingly really supported that as it was quite a big U-turn. Um and i started going on all these courses of like or well, maybe i i know that i want to support other people to be the best they can so is do i want to do something therapeutic and i was i was going on all these kind of art therapy courses um counseling courses all these things that just didn't quite i knew that i'd be good at it but i knew that i'd also not sleep because i'd be like well, did i do a good enough job for that person and are they okay mm. and then I read someone's blog of them describing coaching and why it is they do what they do and literally just could not believe what I was reading. And I was like, this is it. Um, so that's where I was in 2016 of like, right, I'm really gonna get into this now and just see how this can help people. Um, and yeah, still still the same, still very excited and having to tell myself off for signing up for a new course every <laughs> five But have just come to realize quite how much giving people space to figure out what they're doing to do next and what's holding them back makes an incredible difference.
0: Yeah, it really does. Now that is purposeful work. That's meaningful work. When you can help someone identify their strengths, identify their gifts and their talents, to help them see that they're either need to think about making a change to go to a, a different place or um, stay in their place and uh, wherever they are and maybe shift their focus to operating more in their gifts and their natural talents and natural skills and abilities. Yeah. Kind of what it sounds like you're you're saying. And in that, um, when organizations line people up to be in um, roles that are good fits, then that does help to create a culture of joy and ease. And and I say that because sometimes, like you had uh, alluded to earlier, sometimes people get positions out of convenience, not necessarily out of qualifications. Mm -hmm. So when that happens, (laughs) the person finds themselves. Just thrust into this role with no training, no background, <laughs> no preparation, and they just—they're floundering around, not doing well, or doing a really bad job, and basically uh, trying to get something done, but killing the soldiers along the way. You know that are on their team. Do you know what I mean? Because they don't have the proper training, they weren't uh, properly prepared, or they were just thrust into this role without any um, advanced knowledge of how to properly perform the duties of the role. That makes yeah. sense?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I'm quite, I'm often saying to companies and leaders, you know, what are you doing to find out what these people value? And what they're like as a person when you interview them, it's not all about what courses they've been on and whether they're trained to do a certain task that you're gonna ask them to do every now and then actually is more holistic than that. Mm -hmm. And um yeah, I think we just we know that, but we underestimate that and we don't feed it in to the whole process. Um and yeah, just for me personally, that was highlighted again this week. If I occasionally do some ad hoc kind of training courses for other companies. And I was being interviewed for a new one this week and they were saying, well, why have you picked us? And I was like, because I read your values on your website and literally was going, oh my gosh, this describes me. Like this cannot, mm. I, I was gonna say, this cannot go wrong. That's you know, that's a bit of an exaggeration. I'm sure <laughs> many things that could go wrong. But there's, there's an there's underlying um, confidence that we're already al- aligned on so many things that this is yeah. now set, set up to succeed rather than for us to have loads of problems that we need to work through on day one <laughs> yes
0: yes absolutely and it's so important that there is that alignment that there there's a bit of uh, an alignment with your values um and and uh, the vision that you see for yourself you know is it as part of this organization and it's You know, when you can read their website and say, "Yes, this is what we stand for," and it resonates so well with your spirit, (laughs) it's like, "Yes, I I get you." (laughs) When you say, "What could go wrong?" (laughs) You know, it's like a match made in heaven. (laughs) So that is um, uh, so great. And uh, one of the things I was thinking about, so I used to be a Dale Carnegie leadership training coach um, or assisted um, with, a, uh, I think it was like an eight week class it's in person. And there were people who were a part of our class. Um, one of the things we kind of um, asked them in the beginning was what brought you to this place? And sometimes what brought them to our class was their boss who basically said, you need skill development in leading people. And in order for you to be a better leader, we're gonna send you to this course. And uh, and they're gonna teach you how to be a better leader. Um, and And so that's kind of where that comment came from about how some people are just thrust into these things, these opportunities that look like opportunities for the person, maybe it's a promotion or whatever, but if they're not prepared, they're not being set up for success. Mm. And so that's so key uh, and critical to being set up for success is to find out from your own people what matters to you, what is important to you, because usually it's along those lines or within that capacity that they, their perspective that they come from or come at people. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally, and I see that so often as well. That it is—it is just the knee-jerk reaction, doesn't it? That seems wise in the moment. That oh, something's going wrong. That must be a skills gap. Let's just find the course that best matches that, and we'll fix something. And actually, it's so often a deeper issue. That that then that makes it sound like it's a bigger deal, and it's not. Often, you just need to take the time and the space to figure out. Or well, what is that person naturally? Brilliant at, and what do they actually need to thrive? And is that something that I'm not facilitating right now? And um, yeah, I just find that so fascinating that we can so easily forget that this person is a whole person. They're not just there to do all these tasks that you're throwing at them. <laughs> and and that they, they are impacted by <laughs> exactly. <in> the environment. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. And that's a, that's another part of my journey, actually, that I didn't go into because, of, you know, there's so many parts we could be here for hours. But I, when I was trying to figure out what I was good at and who I was and what I should be doing in the world, I got really interested in doing loads of uh, assessments, kind of personality assessments, psychometrics, motivation, like all that I just got quite over excited about that. And um, did loads. And lots of them, well, I had two kind of situations, some of them didn't, describe me and I was a bit like okay they kind of get me but not really Mm -hmm. and other ones I felt like they kind of gave me some kind of result or label that I would immediately be judged upon and gave me no room for growth at all they're just like oh you're this letter or Mm -hmm. you're this color like good luck Mm -hmm. oh yeah (laughs) just kind of like oh what do I do with that um But I found a couple since one of them being Clifton Strengths, which I don't know if it's something you've come across before.
0: Mm. Um, and what's it called again? Can you repeat that? Clifton Strengths.
1: Clifton Strengths? Is that C-L-I-F-T-O-N strengths? Yeah. Which is hilariously very confusing because that is a really famous area of Bristol where there's a bridge called Clifton Suspension Bridge that everyone goes to see. And then they think that I have some amazing link to the <laughs> so this Clifton <laughs> Straight assessment, all, which is it literally have nothing to do with each other. Um <laughs> <That's> it, funny. <laughs> it's funny. funny. But um yeah, it was all kind of researched and developed by a guy called Donald Clifton. And um he basically realized, and this was in the 70s, and I still can't believe like we haven't caught up with this stuff, but he realized then. We're just so focused on people's weaknesses and what's wrong with them and what we need to fix. Whereas if we actually focus on what's right with people and what they're already doing brilliantly, that's where we get the exponential growth and the exponential joy is by tapping into their strengths. And so I did that assessment. And it's the first thing that I've ever had that I was like, wow, this completely describes me. Like, how did it do that? Um, mm-hmm. So I now facilitate other people going through that process just because I personally saw such a transformation in myself.
0: Wow. And now is that an online assessment that's available to anyone or do you have to be a part of a program to get
1: access to this? Um, no, tool? So you go on the Gallup website and you just, um, yeah, you just purchase a code to go and do the assessment. And um, so anyone can do that any time. What I find really interesting is they give you really in-depth reports on what it all means. And it's not um, just kind of an automated thing. It's actually really bespoke to what your strengths are and how they're related to each other. So it's it's really great, the um, information that they send out to you. But as with anything, I just started finding people were like, well, that's really great. It really speaks to something within me and how I'm working but then two Hmm. weeks later it's in a drawer somewhere or you know they've forgotten where it is or what it's meant to relate to anything else um so I actually facilitate a process where we spend um an initial five hours going through what on earth do these talents actually mean to me and the people around me and then Hmm. we have ongoing coaching just to make sure that it actually stays part of your day-to-day Life and we kind of overcome any obstacles that is brought up or any kind of um, other stuff that it's just mm-hmm. kind of made me think about, so that it actually means something ongoing right. rather than just kind of being that light bulb moment that you're like, "Gosh, that is that's a really big deal. I should do something about that," and then you forget,
0: <laughs> right? Right, or, or don't know the next step to take. It's like, okay, I got all this great data. Now what? (laughs) What do I do with it? How do I make it work for me in my environment, whether I'm in corporate America or I'm trying to run a business with a team, you know, leading a team? You know, you need to figure out like where, how the rubber meets the road. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I found it so insightful for people because often the, the things that you do, you're such on kind of um autopilot doing or you think that you generally think everyone thinks like me like you know that there's differences with people but you go well people's brains must do that because my brain Mm. does that and (laughs) And, um the stat the stats around it quite amazing for someone to have the same top five talents on this assessment as you in the same order as you is a one in a 33 million chance so it just speaks so much to the uniqueness of us all and how yeah. much we have to give and how much those talents are effectively superpowers because they don't exist in many other people around. And right. sure. um, I've taken a lot of people through that process now. And the other f- thing that I find very funny is that if people come across others who've got... So say if I if I found someone who had my the top talents on my list at the bottom of their list, so things that they just find really difficult, I either am immediately... Drawn to that person and think, "Oh my gosh, you've got to stick around because you do everything that I can't do, and I need you to not go anywhere." Right, exactly. <laughs> or or the, I have the opposite reaction where I'm like, "You are the most confusing, annoying person I've ever met in my life because my brain just doesn't do what your brain does, and I don't get it." Like, and then you suddenly have this like bigger awareness of like, "Oh, that's why we don't get on, or we're just are talking at cross purposes all the time." <laughs> well, well, <laughs> but, so, but do you find, find though? I'm sorry,
0: Catherine, to talk over you, but do you find, though, that it's good to have opposites on a team or people who don't have the the gifts and talents that you have on the team?
1: Yeah, for sure. So we talk a lot in the strengths world about leveraging what you've got and how to manage what you don't have. And so there's if there's things that you realize I'm just never going to be good at this. However many courses I go on, however many things I try, I just can't do it. So like, why am I expending all this energy? Um, And to look for the people that you realise can do it with their eyes closed and actually are really energised by it is just the best way to then move forward. So you either, so kind of either knowing who you can partner with and have a collaboration with and you, you work well enough together that you can do that alongside each other there's, I think there's then other situations or tasks where actually you just need to delegate because you're like, well, I'm never going to be able to do it. And actually, I don't need to be around that person the whole time while while they do it. But as right. long as we have good communication in between, then that'll be brilliant. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. figuring out what other strengths you, you have that basically counteract the things that you find difficult. So there's quite a lot of strategies. It's not like, oh, gosh, here's a big list of things that I can't do and now I'm a write-off. It's a... Uh, that's, that's the other thing I really love about the process is it actually feels empowering rather than just being like, oh, here's all this stuff about me that now I need to work on or feel sad about. Or, or the other the other thing that sometimes new teams will say when I first introduce a topic like this is that, like, gosh, is this going to suddenly expose me as a complete fraud and that, you know, I'm the bookkeeper and actually I'm terrible at finance. <laughs> <laughs> like in the fear of just like someone's going to know something that I didn't want them to know but it's just so the opposite of that it's all about building people up and re- making everyone around them realize quite how amazing they are Um right. yeah well, that's
0: really- I love that I, I absolutely love that and I really appreciate the part where you're talking about how you don't have to know everything to be a great leader you need to know your strengths what you bring to the table, what you're good at, operate in that, bring the best out of other people and their gifts and their talents. Because what if they have what you need, you definitely want them to be on the team. And if they get life, if, the, if their eyes light up, doing some of those things that you absolutely detest. (laughs) Why on earth would you spend a fraction of a second doing those things when you can totally just give it to the person who loves to do those things and thrives on doing those things? That's what we do in my business. I own a company called Executive Help Now, and we offer virtual administrative support to small businesses and senior level executives. And... We take those things off of their plate so that they can focus on the things that only they can do. They can focus on the things that make the company money and hand off the calendar management, the email management, the social media management engagement. If they're doing a podcast, we take care of that for them as well. The whole nine, because that's not their lane. Right. We all have a lane.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then I think if that's happening in a larger organisation, that's where you get to make the choice, how agile and how brave do I want to be about going, well, actually that person's job description has always been this, but it doesn't make any sense anymore. So I'm just going to lift this task from their desk and give it to this person. And on paper, that makes absolutely no sense. But Mm -hmm. actually day to day in the office environment or how those people interact, it completely transforms how everyone's doing, because we're actually doing tasks that we're brilliant at rather than this thing that's, you know, is taking someone forever because they just, they hate it and they're not good at it. Like So right. keep making them do it. Right. Right. Exactly. Take it off their plate. Don't make them, don't put them through that trauma,
0: <laughs> you know, because that's what it is to the person who's not good at it. They're, and, and then when they are forced to do something that they're not good at, it ultimately just diminishes their confidence in the areas where they're great
1: yeah and that's so, how you um, lose these people like if they're actually totally. misplaced, and you know I can't say that I promise to take people through a process and we're always going to retain all your top talent because actually this process will lose you some brilliant people because they realize that they're even better placed somewhere else but I always hope that people can kind of come from the motivation of we want our people to learn and grow and be where they're meant to be regardless of whether that means that we don't get to keep them for as quite as long as we would like to Um, but for those people who we can turn it around for who they really want to be there with you and actually they're finding it a bit hellish at the moment (laughs) to like to figure out maybe it's just some really small tweaks or a different communication system Mm -hmm. or just giving like give them a coach like I'm completely biased about that but it's always going to be my answer give them some space to just talk and figure some stuff out like they'll probably come back a different person (laughs) Right. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: Exactly.
0: I mean, because when, when people are offered an opportunity to do what they love, it doesn't take a whole lot to 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 convince them that this is where they should be. Do you know what I mean? Because when you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. I don't know who quote whose quote that is, but I really believe that you know, if you're if you're operating in your gifts and your talents and your purpose. You never work a day in your life because it's everything you have to give is a as a service, is an offering of yourself, of your whole self, um, to this whatever project, this department, this company, this uh venture, whatever it is, because it's who you are to your core. You're living out, you're being true to yourself and who you are in your inner most being. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's so
1: true love
0: it yeah i love that so what a great job you have to help people <laughs> identify those things oh how
1: amazing is that <laughs> it's good like honestly i love it so much to just to chat to people and be like well what like did you realize you were this good at these things and like what are we gonna do about it um but that's the other that's the other thing that i've like was so excited to find coaching and then stick at it was because actually this is a joint responsibility this isn't me however much I'm good at strategy and fixing a problem that would be why you'd hire me as a consultant if you hire me as a coach there's complete equal responsibility on who is making the changes and doing the stuff like my job is to facilitate a space where you get to unpick things and feel less stuck and see all this forward motion but your responsibility is to actually go and do the stuff (laughs) right exactly I think that's it's so much better if you've got people who you know have been stuck and they're doing all these courses and they're having all this mentoring and they're just they're not doing anything potentially they're not taking responsibility for some stuff like it might it might be the fault of someone else completely but there is always the chance that they actually just need to look at themselves and what they are in control of as well
0: Absolutely. So then Catherine, what steps do you recommend for boosting team productivity and accountability? Mm-hmm. Like are there some tangible like one, two, three kind of things to do?
1: Yeah. So um, I'm always going to bring people back to strengths because like we said, I think when you're doing what you're naturally talented at, your productivity goes through the roof. And mm-hmm. um, I, I found for me, procrastination is normally stuff that I just find a bit difficult or a bit boring so the more that people understand about their natural talents and their motivations um that's going to make a difference and yeah. I think we just constantly underestimate accountability and the need for it or we kind of do it in chunks and then kind of go oh we did that and kind of tick the box and then we leave it for another six months of wondering why everyone's wandering around not really knowing what they're up <laughs> to like the consistency is just so key and and there's always going to be another level to kind of push to even when so complacency I guess is the other thing to look out for alongside Mm -hmm. of that um and and knowing what accountability actually means to different people because we're always we're all going to have our own lens on that i be like, oh, yeah, of course, I define accountability as this and this is what works for me. But taking the time to understand what it means to someone else and what's effective for someone else um, is, yeah, is a game changer.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Operating in strengths um, definitely is the much better way to go. And then holding people accountable or and determining, like you said, what does that accountability look like? If you say you're going to
1: meet
0: XYZ Sorry. goal, no, it's okay. Yeah. If you say you're going to meet XYZ goal by such and such a date on this particular budget and, you know, blah, 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 with this number of people, then what happens if you don't make the date or if you go over budget or if you don't have the right people in place, what does that accountability look like? You know, um, how do you navigate something like that when something is missed, even though you've set the the expectation from the beginning? Mm.
1: So I think i always I also talk to people a lot about how they set up and have conversations with people, because I think as soon as things are tricky, we lose our ability to be properly relational with people and to really, know how to find out what's going on with them we just go into kind of survival or kind of panic i need to fix it mode and Mm. and so then we'll just come out with a long spiel of like well this is what i need done and this is how we're going to do it and it's going to be done by then and you better do it or else and whereas actually if we just take that step back and go well hang on i'm just trying to i'm trying to get rid of a situation or i'm trying to shut down a conversation because this is difficult whereas if we're able to catch ourselves in that moment and go what does this person think of this situation or what have they tried to do or what what is a question I can ask them instead of an instruction to give them then Mm. I think it opens up a different level of conversation to figure out how to get them to do what you need to do because you know every leader is going to need their people to do a load of stuff regardless like (laughs) to set people up to just being going rogue and doing their own thing all the time they do need to hit the targets and do the things you're asking them to do yes but but to be able to have those conversations with them where you where they feel invested and valued for the kind of niche things that they bring I think it's just having that mentality of this is this is a conversation where we're going to learn about each other and Mm -hmm. what what could we have done differently to actually put more accountability into place for that person. Um, because maybe our way wasn't the way that it works best for them.
0: Right, exactly. I love that. And I think any leader who has a conversation like that is a leader people want to follow mm. because they're brave enough to have a conversation like this and brave enough to say, look, I don't have all the answers, but I want you to do well. I want to mm. see you succeed. And I want to be a part of that journey. So I'm here to work with you to figure out what that looks like and how we can make that
1: happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, who, who wouldn't want a boss like that? <laughs> <laughs> right? And honestly, the insight that I've got from strengths and stuff like that has been incredible as well. Because there's people, I think when kind of when everything gets stressful and really high pressured, quite often people want to go really, really fast or really slow. And there's kind of not any in between, but knowing which of your people work at different speeds, if they were left to do it their own natural way, also like makes a real difference. Also knowing, I think we're so quick to assume that everyone can turn up to a meeting and know what they think immediately and be able to express that out loud very eloquently and respond to all this information that's being thrown at them. And that's how we do meetings. And if we can't get action points from people in that moment on that deadline, then they're not being effective enough for us. But actually, if we took a step back and go, oh, actually, I've got loads of introverts on my team or loads of people who have the talent that's called deliberative Clifton Strengths, and actually those people really want to slow things down to do an excellent job. And they're Mm -hmm. not trying to put their foot on the brake to be annoying to avoid things but actually they're trying to do a better job for you by doing more kind of thorough checking of what's happening and what so what can we put in place to help those people help us um yeah yeah. it's yeah having that wider picture and and remembering like I said before no one thinks like your brain thinks right (laughs) we just like keep catching ourselves (laughs) being like (laughs) Oh, their brains gonna be doing something different so what do i need to do about that
0: yes and and how can we embrace it and like you said use it to our advantage leverage it not that sounded kind of bad but <laughs> leverage it <laughs> to uh have a be a, an integral cog in the wheel of you know productivity you know mm-hmm. So, um, Catherine, how do you approach working with founders and CEOs to optimize their teams in rapidly changing
1: organizations? Mm. What's your style? So I think what I mentioned just before about trying to remain relational, that I think just Mm. as soon as everything gets fast paced and there's all this unknown, all this change that everyone's either excited or freaked out about. We need to just make sure that those connections are still happening, and that we're not just completely task orientated. And there's going to be people that absolutely thrive on being kind of in the executing kind of focus of like, Mm. I love getting stuff done. I'm just going to go and go and go, and that's going to really kind of um, get my dopamine hit. (laughs) Just like (laughs) all the tasks off the list. That's great. But there's other people that really need to be heard and to be with people and to have time to think about things um so knowing how those people need to read there's um there's a book called rare leadership have you heard of that rare leadership yeah haven't heard that and the letters all stand for something and it's um I'm now going to have like classic brain fog of like not knowing what. The the first one is remain relational, basically. And um, the second R is about all returning to joy. And it's Mm. almost a mindset issue, really, of knowing how to catch yourself when you're thinking, oh, hang on, I'm not acting like myself right now because something's happened and I feel a bit stressed or I feel a bit surprised or um, things are just a bit out of control and knowing how to catch that and bring yourself back to this is who this is who I truly am and people should be able to see that and that's going to bring us all more joy um and so it's all, it's almost like a habit building process so i guess i overall it's about knowing what you need in place to raise everyone's emotional intelligence on the team you mm-hmm. can stay connected mm-hmm. to each other and understanding what's happening around you even when all these things are kind of looming and need to happen around you because you know we don't want to be solving all the people problems by just ignoring all the company um deadlines and strategic plans and profit like otherwise none of us gonna have a job
0: (laughs) right um,
1: yeah just being willing to go there with people it's it seems like it's counterproductive at the time but actually it just fast tracks you to such a better place longer term
0: Absolutely. And having that long-term thinking and the long-term vision, I think is, is critical as well, especially when you're on the front end and initially dealing with uh, or seeing a situation, you know, it on the surface, it looks like this person is, you know, being difficult or not contributing or whatever, whatever. But thinking long-term helps you to look at this particular situation a little bit differently about you know what is contributing to this Mm -hmm. so that long term we could have better results you know and of course as a leader you determine you know do you have the time to invest to hopefully see a change or um you know i think there's a, a fine line between continuing you know, and helping being with that person while they grow and and discover their gifts and give them opportunity to operate and their talents and, you know, the long-term vision of the company. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Or should there be a deadline? Should there be a cutoff or should you, how do you measure when you've given someone enough opportunity and they're just not cutting
1: the mustard? Mm. That's a great question. I think there's a few different things going on with that. One of them is, it's, it's a quite a common, um, pitfall or a blind spot isn't it of a leader as well to be like well i figured this out so maybe now i should be the one to fix that and maybe that's genuinely because you're brilliant at doing those things but actually to be able to delegate that or outsource it if re- if it's relevant to can then free you up to be with someone else who actually really needs your input so i think there can be a element of kind of filtering what can only i do and mm-hmm. what are other people actually really good at doing as well? Okay. And then for when someone's really kind of at the end of the line, yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm a big advocate for doing endings well. So however awful the situation seems to be and however horrible the conversations are going to have to go, what can you do to ensure that that person still feels loved and valued and kind of isn't gonna leave kind of not feeling appreciated um and you know even if even if you're going all kind of worst case scenario what can you do to actually mean that there is something even if it's tiny that meant that that ending was not a bad ending (laughs) um yeah
0: Mm. So I I think that's one of the I'm thinking about, you know, different scenarios and situations in my past. And um, so I'm keeping it personal, just thinking on on my own uh, situations that sometimes you don't want things to end, but you know that they have to. And it can be a hard thing to to execute on. Especially when you had such high hopes for them. Do you know what I mean? So, but I also have to balance, you know, do I take responsibility for their feelings or how they receive what I, the message I give to them? Is that my responsibility as a leader or as a, you know, their supervisor? Or, you know, what has to be done still has to be done. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how does a, a leader navigate
1: that? yeah turmoil Mm. so I think because of my profession I basically also always will just default to like where does everyone have that space to process this outside of that immediate scenario so I think I would already be thinking well has that leader got a coach or someone that they can go to before that conversation and go right these are all my concerns or fears or worries about this and what's, what's the best case and what's the worst case and how do I want to come across and um, where, where do I go? Who do I go to if this does completely implode and go worse than I ever imagined? <laughs> um, do I have a space for that? And just to kind of do a bit of that thinking so that you're not um, having to run from that conversation straight into the next board meeting or you know deadline you know because things are so back to back as well aren't they they like you barely have time to process anything that's going on and also okay. what can we put in place for the person leaving so that they're just so that they feel that they have space somewhere too and i think just building a culture of we you know i i was wondering whether to go here or not because i have a funny i have a funny thing about um companies that kind of call themselves families And I I love the concept of that and I get Mm. it and I think it's brilliant. I also come from a background of I'm a foster carer and Mm. I have a lot of adult friends who've been through a lot of various traumas and actually a lot of those are often family related. And if we're calling our workplace a family and then actually push comes to shove and we're told to go because we need to go, that will like, accidentally really become another trauma of my family told me to go (laughs) oh wow yeah oh my goodness I I just find it really interesting of like I know I totally get it and I totally want to get behind us building this amazing culture of us all feeling part of something and really belonging but there's just sometimes wider things to be looking at and so what can we build instead that creates a culture of there's going to be a level of support that happens regardless of whether we're in or out right. um, and mm-hmm. that we still feel valued and useful whether it was in that place or in another place um right. yeah mm-hmm. that was a bit of a tangent sorry
0: <laughs> no that is so good that's so good um because you know we all want to feel a part of something you know, we all want to feel like we belong. We all want to um, feel like there's something that's stable or something that's consistent about, you know, this particular thing. And um, so we don't want it to end. We want it to be a good thing and, and to, you know, for it to last for forever, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that's one of the challenges as entrepreneurs who are trying to build, you know, small businesses that do have these family like cultures or environments, you know, that you know, you know, if it should happen to, that it, you know, you need to separate or part ways, what kind of space is that where you continue on with the person even though they're not in their same capacity. Do you know what I mean? Like out, It's like they're outside of work now and you now no longer have the same kind of relationship. Do you continue a relationship with them after they've been let go? You, you know what I mean? Or you yeah. had to let them go? <laughs> yeah. I mean, those are some pretty deep uh, deep uh, decisions and, and uh, yeah. ways that you might have to think about doing certain things
1: for the, the long-term benefit of the company. I think for me it often comes back to as well of um, I'm going to go on about Brené Brown again, but her her quote of clear is kind, and Mm. I think that's amazing. But I think it comes with the caveat of my clear is not your clear. So actually, we can think we can be being kind, and we can completely be misunderstanding each other still. And to know to kind of have the style of conversations with each other where we are checking. What kind of conversation is this? What am I wearing in this conversation? Where are we aiming for this conversation to go? And how are we going to know when we've got there? They are all kind of coaching style questions that I would use every day with someone, but are still meaningful and effective in any kind of situation Um, and can just be so helpful to Mm -hmm. lead people well so that they understand, okay, we might you know if we're looking at, at an overview we might be friends and colleagues and have a hierarchy within work and we might also kind of cross paths in all these other arenas as well and mm-hmm. which conversations are we having in which role and why and how we're going to navigate that just to, the sooner you can bring those things to the table i think and yeah it's just hard isn't it it's part of navigating, yeah. doing stuff well and being a grown up is sometimes it's just it's, it's exhausting. But it
0: needed the belting business. Oh, it's so tiring. <laughs> well, especially when you're belting as an entrepreneur.
1: <laughs> I mean it is i was saying to someone that i mentor as well actually i said the one downside to becoming emotion more emotionally intelligent is that you're so much more aware of stuff and it is exhausting <laughs> like you yeah. sometimes wish that you were more naive and like blind to it all just because it was a bit easier but but it's not easier. like it's not the easy road right. um yeah. there is there's <laughs> good reasons for going there but it is a bit tiring yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: it's it's. But I think in
0: in the process of trying to navigate it all, it just helps us, number one, be more aware of the consequences of our words and of our actions, and the um, emotional intelligence, I guess, of other people and how they receive our messages. And so, um, and making sure that, uh, further to Brene Brown's um, message about being clear is kind you know are we really being clear and part of that I hope uh, I'm understanding this correctly that that language looks like this is what I I'm saying to you. what are you hearing from me to make mm-hmm. sure that you are hearing what I'm saying and we are truly on the same page
1: yeah absolutely because I haven't even mentioned the part of my life where I run a business completely separately to this with my husband and early days for that, we had absolutely hilarious conversations bordering on arguments where we'd been discussing something and be really confused. Like, why do we disagree on this? Or why are you saying it like that? And like 10 minutes into this kind of borderline argument, we'd suddenly realized that we were wanting and describing exactly the same thing, but just coming from completely opposite (laughs) angles. We're like, oh, we agree. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that is hilarious. That is oh my goodness. So, but yes, it's it's a it's a male female thing. It is a um, you know su- supervisor subordinate thing. It's 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 a whole it's a whole relationship thing. Even with girlfriends. I mean, usually not so much with girlfriends because we tend to come from the same emotional place, but for the most part, I'm being so overgeneralizing right there, but um, we have a, a I think, an a easier way of understanding one another, but, mm-hmm. you know, in most, in lots of relationships, you know, and when there's, especially when there's conflict or if there's some kind of disagreement or some kind of important message that has to be gotten across and, and you need to make sure that they're understanding the words that are coming out of your mouth. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if you are, if you are a fan of the rush hour uh, movies, but there's an actor who's talking to another actor that says, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, we have to do that in business and, and with our teens uh, to make sure that what we are saying is actually be, being received in the way that we intended so I think, and that is, it's in itself an art.
1: Yeah, it's such it's such useful language as well, isn't it, to say it like that? Because I often describe that to other people. I say, um, someone told me this, and I know they meant it like that, but I received it completely differently. And that was completely because of my own stuff and my own experience. But mm-hmm. in that moment, I couldn't receive it differently, even though all that awareness is in my mind and I'm trying to see it from their point of view, I still received it differently from how they meant it. And just to stick with that and lean into that rather than just ignoring it or being afraid of it is where the change starts happening, I think.
0: Absolutely. And that awareness, I think, is is a part of a really important turning point. You know, mm-hmm. when, when someone is saying something to you and you receive it differently than what they intend, what what is that what what is causing that where what is the root of that and 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 so that takes some serious self-reflection and maybe prayer and and you know all kinds of things because there's sometimes things that that are going on and you know we just can't fix you know need you know supernatural interventions they lord fix this because i can't (laughs) no kind of thing So yeah, so true, so true. So before, I cannot believe it's been almost an hour. I have like more questions and and I still want everyone to know how to reach you, Um, so let's go there. How can people reach you? This has been such a great conversation. It's just so uh, amazing to talk about the importance of these having people in purposeful roles to bring about powerful results. Um, so if people want to continue this conversation with you or want to know more, uh, for their company or for themselves personally, how
1: do we reach you? Mm. So I am always on LinkedIn. I have so much fun making friends with people on LinkedIn. Like I'm just amazed. So, uh, Catherine Gray coaching, uh, you can find me on there, chatting to everyone and being excited that everyone wants to be my friend, um, <laughs> and then on uh instagram i'm called purposeful coaching because that was my original business name and someone that might got quite a common name so i couldn't i couldn't get the uh the handle that i wanted on instagram um but also my website is CatherineGrayCoaching.com. that's got a contact me form on there as well or like i said i'm always on linkedin messenger just seeing what everyone's up to and how i might be of use um so yeah just keep an eye out on there because i'm always up for having a chat with people I'm actually writing a book I'm kind of, I've been editing I've been putting that on social media this week actually I'm editing my book and that is that is not one of my strengths let me tell you so I can't wait to <laughs> hand it over to someone who loves editing um, <laughs> but the working title for that at the moment is the strength solution so it just goes into a lot more depth about why I think it's so brilliant um, so there'll be announcements on my uh social media and LinkedIn about when that's actually available
0: Nice, nice. Well, congrats on your book. Hi. It's fantastic. And we definitely want to um, you know, follow up with you, see how things go with that. And uh st- and we'll definitely stay connected on LinkedIn and um stay in touch. Um, so any final closing remarks for us? Any nugget you want to leave our audience with? Oh, great
1: question. I think just um I've been trying to come up with I used to be a really big Will Ferrell. um fan so it's like I used to be like so what's my version of the stay classy San Diego thing (laughs) um, it's very funny but I think the closest I've always got or what I hear myself saying most to other people is just to stay curious like always ask why has that happened why am I doing that and why is that person doing that and just never take anything for granted or make assumptions always ask ask people what's going on
0: I love that. Stay curious. So we will stay curious. Catherine, you were made for something great. So go and be awesome. Thanks.